They arrested me and they put me in jail and they called my pappy to throw my bail. And he said, son, you're gonna drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. That's correct. It's the checkered flag for the NASCAR season there in honor of Captain Her while he's playing Hot Rod Lincoln. We start our Five to Go podcast almost every week with Commander Cody and the Lost Planet Airmen. Doug Turnbull here, Doug Fireball Turnbull, as some like to call me there, especially the captain did. And we are with you taking a deep dive on five subjects in the NASCAR-related world. It is going to be hard to avoid the end-of-season talk and sizing up what we saw with Martin Truex Jr. becoming the 2017 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series champion. We also crowned champion of the Xfinity Series this weekend with William Byron. And in the Truck Series, Christopher Bell, another young hot shoe coming up through the ranks. He won his first career title there and will be in the Xfinity Series next year. Byron is jumping up to Cup. Eric Von Hessler not with us today. He's got to tape his Christmas special tonight, and by tape I mean digitize it. And so we have joining us on the line here as we do each and every week, the man from Dawsonville, Big Dan Elliott. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. I think we ought to do the Sammy Hagar can't drive 55. <laughs> hey, that That's correct, and some people had a little trouble doing that exit in the season here. It seemed like, uh, Dan, the way the field got spread out in Sunday's race that uh, – there were some drivers that looked like they were going 55 compared to the leaders. At one point, Kyle Larson, who led the most laps and ended up finishing, I think it was fourth on Sunday. I think uh, that you know some of those cars, he, he had like a 12-second lead at one point, and a lot of the field got really stretched out. It was kind of a weird phenomenon to see at Homestead the cars spread out so much in all three races this weekend. Doug, it was, and it, and it was very disappointing to see that kind of finish to an event that could have been epic four cars vying for the championship and all one had to do over the other. But first of all, congratulations, Martin tricks for a awesome season because I've not totaled up the points yet and you may have, but I just wanted to see where he would have been at on the old system versus the new system if he would have still won the championship oh, I think, yeah, if absolutely. we were doing it by points. I think absolutely, especially if you incorporate the fact, let, let's say you took the classic points but still included stage and playoff points in that somehow. I think he definitely would have been the classic points. The place to look for that is Jayski, but Jayski has changed a whole lot here in the 2017 mm-hmm. season. One of the, one of the sort of RIPs, if you will, in my opinion. I hate to say that because I, I love uh, Jay Adamchick who runs that site, but uh, it, it's not listed here up front immediately, so I'll have to go back and try to find it. Um, but yeah, that's one thing we need to say about this championship format. We have now had it for four years, 2014, 15, 16, and 17, and at, at least two of those years, the best – team combination for the whole season is one. Harvick in 2014 and Truex this year. We can also say that Kyle Busch was probably the second best combination of team and driver in 2015 when he won. Joey Logano seemed destined for that championship, but his tangles with Matt Kenseth kind of ended that. And then last season, it really looked like it was either Truex or Keselowski or you know, or maybe Kyle Busch that should have won that championship. In the race at Homestead, it looked like it was going to be Carl Edwards, and then it was Jimmy Johnson really coming out of nowhere to score his seventh title. Th- this time around, though, Truex was the favorite going in, and Dan, he was, he was the guy coming out. So what I want to do is our first subject diving in today is talk about his run to the checkered flag there. Uh, Truex, at one point, in fact, I think for most of the race, was the third or fourth running running car out of the four teams that were in the championship four. Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, and then Truex. And Dan, 
what they seem to do on pit road is what they've done all year long is crank out fast pit stops to where he took the lead with 34 laps to go. And then it was a matter of Kyle Busch who slipped up on pit road a couple of times, having to dig past Harvick and get past Joey Logano and Kyle Larson to catch up to Truex, but he just didn't have enough at the end. What did you see in those last laps there? And where did you see maybe Kyle finally lose the title? You know, I, I didn't see him lose it till the very last anyway, but I look at the four things it makes to, to make a championship and Doug, you got to do this all year long. You've got engine, you've got car, you've got pit, you've got driver, you've got any of those four and all of those four have to be on top of their game, any given race. And especially the one where it comes down to a championship and you've got pressure, unbelievable pressure to perform flawlessly the whole day. And, and this is where my hat's off to Martin and, and the gang there because they were flawless when it counted. They did what they need to do. They did what they had to do. And, you know, they didn't do it based out of Mooresville, Charlotte. They, they did it based out of somewhere else. Yeah, and Denver, and I applaud them for that. Uh, absolutely. Truex, the way I thought he was going to lose this title was a late race restart, which at 34 laps to go, I would say was not as late as I was thinking. Uh, to me, that's enough time to overcome a mistake. But Yeah, but I'm like you. I thought it would come down to 10 laps to yes. go, and, and you have all of this going on with 10 laps to go, and it would be at least two or three drivers that would be in the championship chase right there together. And, and what happened was is Harvick was right there at the top most of the time. It seemed like Harvick... He, he didn't necessarily spend the most laps ahead of the other three drivers, but he was right there in the mix. He was never far behind. And toward the end of the race, he just didn't have it and didn't even try to act like he had it. And Kyle Busch got around him, but Truex was pulling away in general. You had Kyle Larson, who led the most laps on the day, but at the end there lost a couple spots on pit road. Kyle Busch was able to clear him. Some comments that Kyle Busch made after the race, though, were that he might have had some tires left to make up that last half-second difference on Truex, but he had to use them all up getting around his early season nemesis, Joey Logano, whom, remember, Kyle Busch laid a punch on there after the Vegas race. And Joey Logano had one of his best races in a long, long time. Toward the end there, he was falling off and did not let Kyle Busch get by easily. Um, so I want to dive into our second subject here, Dan. We had in the Saturday race as well, Ryan Priest, who is running in a very limited schedule, Joe Gibbs Racing. The 18 car that he was driving was in the hunt for the owner's championship. And Priest was racing very hard with Elliott Sadler to keep his position because he still needed to finish Priest did in front of the 9 of William Byron, the 42 of Tyler Reddick, who's charging, and then way ahead of him, the 22 of Sam Hornish to win the owner's championship. So he had no team orders to pull over, so he kept racing hard. And because Sadler used it all up and then made contact with him, William Byron was able to pass Sadler and eventually take the championship. Do you think, Dan, that Sadler, who went after Priest post-race and I mean, had to be separated from him, do you think Sadler should have been upset with Priest for maybe breaking a driver's code, or do you think Priest was in the right? And I asked the same question about Logano and Kyle Busch. You know, let's, let's go to Logano Kyle Busch first. Definitely next year. This won't be forgotten anytime soon. You know, you talk about this stuff, and, and just like the deal with other drivers who have, have gotten into to problems with other drivers yeah it might be forgotten for a little while it may be put off for a little while but there ain't gonna be no forgetting and next year there will be payback probably 
not in the form of a wrecked car maybe, but in the form of the same deal. I, you know, you held me up, you lost me a championship yeah. and I'm going to make sure that, that I pay you back in full plus interest. And, and I think the, the same thing, both Saturday and Sunday, but whether or not that's right, you know, maybe NASCAR with, with the fact that NASCAR enforces all this stuff anyway, that's what that move over flag is for sometimes. But, it, but these are cars on the same lap. Same you know, lap. I know yeah. that, but but when you've got a championship at stake, and the positions mean a lot, and let's just put it in the deal of that's racing, but prepare for payback somewhere later down the line. Just prepare for it. Well, and that, I think that certainly, if you think about Joey Logano trying to go for a win in Atlanta, February 25th, Folds of Honor, Quick Trip 500, second race of the season next year, Kyle Busch is in front of him, a similar track to Homestead yep. in terms of tire wear and, 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 and length, I guess. Um, Kyle Busch isn't going to cut him a break. So, nope. But, but I, it seemed to me that a lot of fans thought that Sadler was being whiny. Hey, Sadler, if you had the better car, pass the guy. But there certainly, Dan, is a way that drivers can race where you don't have to be faster, but you can hold somebody up. Well, it's either that or, or Doug, I hate to say it, but, you know, it was before, before NASCAR got so GQ, it was where <laughs> you just put the bumper to them. Yeah. And, and, and if you had a Feister car, if, if you were the man with the Feister car, you, you give them a tap. And, and if the first message isn't sent, you tap them again. If that one don't get through, well, then you move them. And Kyle Bush's case. Well, so in Sadler's case, I'll start there. He did put the fender to Ryan Priest and it ended up, uh, it ended up damaging Sadler more really. I mean, that's, I, I think that if Priest had let him by, there wouldn't have been in that contact. As far as Kyle Busch's case, he didn't want a caution. He wanted the laps to catch, uh, to catch Martin Truex yep. because yep. he had a long run car. So if you go spin Joey Logano and you, and you don't really have room to knock him out of the way, cause you're both running the top line. So no, if you, but you can if, do the bump and run. And if you do the bump and run, then, then you should be pretty good. But, but, you know, as good as these drivers are, they know how to do that. Well, it's, it's yeah. just like with the Lyle now, you know, they'll do the pit maneuver on them. If you try to outrun them anymore, they'll do the pit maneuver on you on the interstate. So <laughs> they, they've gotten pretty doggone good at that. Yeah, it sounds like you got some experience there, Dano. <laughs> I hope I don't. I hope <laughs> I never do. <laughs> but, it, but it does. The racing ethics questions do come into play. And, and here's here's where the biggest knock on what Ryan Priest did was. Priest obviously wasn't running for the driver's titles, for the owner's title. And when I was watching it, I forgot that the 22 was part of the owner's points championship board. So I was thinking, well, he, you know, he's he's already running. Uh, he's really racing the nine. And so I could see why Sadler would, you know, or why, why he would want to run hard. But for him to win the owner's title, he would have had to make 10 seconds up on the track and pass Hornish. You know, yep. after holding off Sadler, which wasn't going to happen there. By the way, Cole Custer getting his first career win in the Xfinity Series, and he won by some 12 or 15 seconds over Hornish. It, it was an incredible feat what uh, Cole Custer was able to do there after being so close so many times this year. Um, but but that's that. It, it was just interesting because in the end, it seemed like neither Logano or Priest really had a realistic chance of making their result or team better. What's one position on the racetrack? But then the racing purist kind of looks at it and goes, "Well, hey." You're supposed to race hard 24-7. You know, it's, it's so who are the manufacturers that fared the best during this year? Obviously, Toyota and the Sprint are in the Monster Energy Monster NASCAR Cup, Cup Series. Yeah. Yes, Monster Cup. <laughs> um, yeah, Monster yeah, well, Cup. To Toyota was dominant in the Cup Series. And, uh, in fact, Brad Keselowski in the media center 
kind of got baited with the question there from Nate Ryan at NBC asking, you know, did does he still have the same feelings about the cars and everything, and does Ford have an upgrade coming for next year? And he pretty much said, I can't believe that NASCAR let Toyota appro- approve Toyota's nose design for this season, and with the Chevy rides getting better for next year, it leaves Ford kind of behind as far as a body standpoint. So Toyota seems to win there. I think Chevy points-wise, was dominant in the Xfinity Series, but that's because Toyota didn't have very many drivers running full-time. And then in the Truck Series, it was all Toyota as well. Toyota, I mean, Christopher Bell, Kyle Busch Motorsports just put a whooping on the field. And there was an outside chance that Johnny Sauter or Matt Crafton could have done something, but it, it was all Toyota. All right, so we go into the 2018 season. Who do you feel has the best lineup, regardless of manufacturer, but who sits in the best lineup of drivers for a manufacturer's championship or for a particular brand to win another championship? Who I, sits the prettiest next year? You got to think it's Toyota, don't you? I mean, they still got Kyle and De- Denny re- <laughs> returning on their end. They, they've got Eric Jones and Daniel Suarez in the Gibbs stable, and they're the defending champions with Truex. I don't see how you vote against Toyota there. When you look at the upheaval at Hendrick Motorsports, you feel like Hendrick was, except for Chase Elliott, was really took a big step back this season. And they have, you know, more rookie drivers, well, young drivers. Bowman's not a Yeah, rookie. but I don't think they're going to sit around. I think that, number one, they're going to they're going to have plenty of meetings with NASCAR before the season begins January in Daytona for testing. They're going to have plenty of meetings with NASCAR to – lobby their position as far as not being able to be competitive and and i think you know is is that a fair assumption because could it be that hendrick just did not keep up with what they should have kept up with work-wise and fell behind that way just like ford has done because not it it's not always the car or the engine or the driver it's it, it it may be a, a combination of one of those, but not all of those. And we all know that it takes so little to mean so much anymore. Well, certainly. I do think that every manufacturer, as far as number of young drivers, is set for the future. I really do. Uh, but it, when it comes to how the different shops and workflows go, the big questions on the Chevy side, I mean, remain, does Hendry take, take a step backwards with having two young drivers, two new drivers in their stable next year. Does uh, d- does Ganassi continue and build upon the success they have? And is Jamie McMurray in the long run the guy that you want in the one car? You know, where I mean, does Ganassi go forward with Larson continually outrunning him each and every week? And then on the Childers side, yeah, they had two cars kind of t- get some false positives by making the playoffs, but the wins of Truex and Dillon, or excuse me, the wins of Ryan Newman and Austin Dillon were were strategic they weren't so much horsepower right they weren't handling they were strategic so and Childers doesn't even know where their fourth team's going to be and Richard Petty Motorsports doesn't know what manufacturer is going to be or if it'll be partnered with Childers next year there's a so lot of questions about, with Chevrolet what about the big layoff at Childers 
Well, right, because not only are you losing Menards, Paul Menards going to the 21 car, Wood Brothers, but you also are, in all, all, all intents and purposes, losing Brendan Gone. I think it's understood that he is retired as a full-time driver. That's South Point money. And Brandon Jones is going across the Xfinity garage, Georgia driver, by the way, Brandon Jones out of Atlanta, and taking that Ream money over to Joe Gibbs Racing for their Xfinity program. So they had a ton of money leave and not a lot of extra coming in with Matt Tiff joining the team. So you, well, I had heard that they laid off a hundred people, right? And so, how you, you don't think, as far as the Chevy team, that they're going to necessarily be any better? And I don't see Hendrick necessarily getting better, but they could hit on something. But the X factor with Chevrolet is they do have a new car coming in the Cup Series, and that's going to be, you know, that that's that that could be a game changer with the 2018 Camaro being out on the track there next season. Uh, another another deal you have to ask is about Ford Roush Fenway. Moved a little bit forward with Stenhouse getting two plate wins, but overall their average finish, their standing was not great. Stuart Haas Racing seemed to start peaking at the end of the year. The 41 and 4 teams seemed to really start moving a lot better, but the 14 of Boyer stagnated, and then Eric Almirola is taking Danica Patrick's place next season, and you just got to wonder how that's going to go. <laughs> you just don't know. Well, it, what, what we're saying is we can throw all these in a barrel and shake them up, and we just don't know what's going to pour out first. Exactly. And we, we couldn't have predicted last year's rise of Toyota necessarily, and we couldn't have predicted at the very beginning of this season. People forget the first few races we were talking about how good Ford was and yeah. how off Toyota and Joe Gibbs racing were, and then Truex came to life, and that made Toyota look good, but Gibbs was still struggling. Kyle Busch didn't win until the second half of the season. Now, he finished, I think, with four wins, but it, that, that story changed real quickly there in the middle of the season. All right, so that was our third subject, talking about manufacturer performance and who's best going forward. I said the name Danica Patrick because one of the biggest stories – Really, I think the biggest story, Dan Elliott, bigger than the champion getting crowned, is who left our sport Sunday. NBC focused, uh, I I don't want to say undo, but a a very lopsided amount of time on Dale Jr.'s retirement, which we knew was coming since the spring. But we also had Danica Patrick announce Friday for sure that she will not be a full-time driver in 2018. She's going to run the Daytona 500, Indy 500, that's it. She's hanging up her helmet. And we had Matt Kenseth announced that a couple of weeks ago that he was not having a full-time opportunity for next season. So, Dan, I just wanted to compare their results and their pomp and circumstance. You had Kenseth finish eighth. He showed promise up front running his rookie paint scheme with DeWalt colors on his number 20 Toyota. You had Dale Jr. have a tire problem late in the race, but he was a lap down early. He ran between 17th and 25th all day and finished, I think, 25th, three laps down. And then you had Danica Patrick, who ran about the same place as Jr., but then she cut a tire, wrecked, and finished 37th. Just comparing and contrasting how their retirements or their next steps, not retirements, are being received. Dan, what did you think about it all? Well, you know, it's it, it's sad to see, obviously, first thing, it's sad to see the people leave the sport, which they're not really leaving the sport, because you'll see more of them. I just wonder if Danica will have something. Do you know anything of what her career will be once she does? Seems complete? like it's outside the sport. It seems like it's more business-related. I think she's got a vineyard. She's got a clothing line. She's worked on a book. She's done yeah, stuff. go daddy. You know, she, she's had to make money off off the either calendars or posters or whatever she's done. You know, 
when when you look like that, you you obviously aren't going to have to worry about income for a little yeah. while. And she's anyway. famous. And forget take looks aside. I mean, she's she's as famous as Dale Earnhardt Jr. is to the outside yep. world. So so that that's taken care of. I think she's just going to work hard and and you know maybe maybe she resurfaces in racing again. But she is she hasn't said the team. But a lot of people are thinking that she may go to Ganassi to run the Daytona 500 and the Indy 500. That's not been ruled out anyway. So she, she, yeah, but I, I look at little E, you know, Danica's got herself covered and Junior's worth, uh, several hundred million, three, sure. four hundred million probably. So, you know, I, I don't worry about these people. I'm sorry that they had to retire under the, the circumstances they did, that they did. But, you know, I go back and I look at Richard Petty, uh, didn't Richard in his final race tear the front end off the car and, oh, yeah, he and, wrecked hard and, and they finished without a front end on the car and definitely not the kind of way you want to go in your last race, but you know, you're, you're kind of, why are you quitting racing anyway? It's, it's not that you're quitting up front kind of sort of like Gordon did or, or some of the other drivers in the year that you're quitting. Okay. You, you still got some amount of success, even in the year that, that you're, you're not running anymore. And, if I can get off this merry-go-round of, you know, everybody would like to win the last race they run, but if you did, then you might look back and say, hey, you know, I won that one. I'm going to go again. Yeah. But definitely the concussion for Lily did not help him any at all. Just like Jeff Gordon with the injury he did to his back. And that was one of the factors, you know, Carl Edwards is one of the ones that you – I don't know of him. Did he have a major injury that you know of that affected his decision to no, leave I, the sport? I think a lot of people think that the reason Edwards quit is just out of frustration for how his championship ended up, and and how there was a late caution that got called for a you know car many laps down barely scraping the wall which nascar kept it green by the way sunday they kept it green even when kurt you know with different guys not kurt bush but with some different guys had trouble they did not wave the yellow flag and, and let these guys race it out um but i think that had something to do with it because the caution came out and then on the restart edwards you know got wrecked by joe you know when he tried to block joe logano driving on the apron you know and that ended his championship there so a lot of people think that his decision got made by the officiating of the race and by the outcome yeah. of that championship <laughs> And I think too, he's just a different cat than a lot of these people were talking about. To use a Richard Petty word, right? He's, he's yeah, been, and he also had enough money that, uh, from what I understand of his holdings, he had enough money he could do that also and, yeah. and leave the sport. And and you know, you don't know who's going to dance in and out of the sport next year in other roles because you and I both know that Junior will own cars and teams, and and he will be a major player in NASCAR and a lot of decisions to come. And, and one of the people that NASCAR will probably consult as far as decisions, yeah. as far as the future of racing. So, you know, it, it's other than switching hats, we're, we're going on and, and, and we're going on and we're going to be a major player in the sport anyway. Yeah. And so junior is going to be a major player in the sport. I think Kenseth is going to be largely not there. He'll be there ceremonially when they need him. But I think Kenseth is going to go hang out with the family. He's got a, 
a fourth kid with his current wife, not I mean, a fifth kid overall, uh, on the way in May. Uh, not May. It's uh, very soon, actually. Junior's got a kid coming in May. And Danica's got ventures outside the sport. I think Kenseth it, it leaves on the best statistical terms, but it seems like Earnhardt Jr., because he made his decision, he didn't have it made for him, leaves on the best overall terms. And I just love that Earnhardt Jr. was so much more – interested and concerned with the relationship he's, he's made, and he has a lot of respect for the people in the sport. It, it, that, that's just nice to see what a good sport he was. He put up with all the, the fanfare. He put up with all the autographs, and, the, and people paid it back because all those crew members, just like for his dad in the 98 Daytona 500, lined up on pit road, and Junior got to slap him five as he was pulling out on the grid one last time. So that, that was cool. Yeah, I think it was cool, but um, you and I both know that these drivers – they have a plan whenever they quit. It isn't like it used to be where you're either out of money or out of talent or both, and and you have to quit the sport. And nowadays it's just different all the way around because they've got a plan, they've got a place to go, and even if they don't have a gig with NBC or Fox or somebody, they're, they're consultants for big money teams that, that have a son that come in and will learn how to drive they're now a driving consultant and make big money. So, yeah. you know, they, they've got a better egg, exit strategy than we've got. And, and I'm not, I'm not crying the blues. It's, it's just, they've got a better strategy than we've got of being able to find things to do. Certainly the A-list drivers seem to be able to find out a way yep. more gracefully than, than like Casey Mears may have run his last race. You know, <laughs> he may have run yeah. his last race this weekend. And some others just don't have that choice. Okay, so I want to talk about, because we're talking about the changing of the guard, in the last few years, we've lost, uh, it was two years ago, Jeff Gordon, last season, Tony Stewart, this year, Junior, Kenseth, Danica. And we had three drivers out of the four that were going for their second title. The one that won his first time title is the one that actually won, Martin Truex Jr. Dan, do you think just by becoming more relevant to the fan base, and becoming more relevant to the outside world, that it's important for somebody else besides Jimmy Johnson now to have multiple cup titles, that for the sport to move forward with this changing of the guard, that that Harvick, Keselowski, or Kyle Busch needs to step up and really say, I, I'm the guy, you know, I'm the driver. Is that, is that Does that help us move on from the people with multiple championships like Gordon and Stewart retiring? You know, the the this is this is my opinion as far as the the championship deal is the thing that I've talked about with you about this is I love the fact that somebody new won the championship it it wouldn't hurt my feelings to see somebody new win the championship every year because a lot of people work extremely hard and maybe for lack of a better word maybe they weren't fortunate enough to be in the right manufacturer brand during a given year to be a champion. And that may be hard for somebody to understand, but rules favor a particular car for a particular season. Yeah. And, and those may change from year to year because Toyota may have been top of the heap this year, but NASCAR may come in next year and say, okay, well, we'll give Chevrolet a new nose and help them get more competitive. I'm not saying that they are favoring one or another, but the rules tend to favor one or another. So next year, if you're in a Chevrolet, might put you in a better position than this year in a Chevrolet. 
Certainly. So, you know, I look at that as I want to see different people win championships. I love to see that because of the work that goes into competing and doing what you have to do on a weekly day in, day out basis. But I hate the fact, I absolutely hate the fact that so few owners own everything. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's one we're not going to get around for sure. And And it's not the people. Don't get me wrong. It's not the people. I love the people. It's the fact that the that the way the rules have been have come about. Now you have probably five major players that own basically everything. Yeah, I think that's certainly true. I think okay. That, um... So so it used to be that there were probably fifty, sixty teams in NASCAR. And each one was owned by a different person. Yeah, and there were single car teams, most of them. Yeah, single car teams. And and now to think that anyone can come in, and and that's why veterans are leaving, and the young bloods coming in because Doug, there is no other way to get into a cup ride than through these five gods that have been created. And we've talked about this before. I don't know what the way is around that. I, if, if, I don't know that there is. I, yeah. I just don't know that there is. Yeah, and, and one thing I do like about the Childers team is they've extended out and helped independents like Levine Family Racing, like JTG Doherty Racing, and who, who's the other one? Jermaine Racing, and they, they all have Childress satellite partnerships where for various mm-hmm. money, you know, they're, they're partnered up. And Hendrick had that relationship with Stuart Haas before SHR switched to Ford, you know, and, and we also – See that you know Roush Fenway has different partnerships, different teams. It it just it it's over time. That's been how you sort of can be independent and make this happen. And the biggest one of those satellite relationships worked out really well for the satellite E, and that being <laughs> that being Furniture Row Racing. Although Joe yep. Gibbs got a boatload of money, it was Martin Truex and Team Seventy Eight that walked away with the championship. Best wishes, by the way, to Barney Visser, that team's owner, uh, the guy that ten years ago they. They were finishing last all the time, and he had a heart attack right before this race weekend or just in the last couple of weeks and is recovering, and, but he got to see his team go to victory lane. One more here. Yeah, he is, probably had a second heart attack after the, after the finish yesterday. When he saw Kyle Busch closing in on Truex, that was epic, man. That was yeah. epic. I'm sorry. That was that was very similar, I think, to Cole Wickey and Elliott at Atlanta Motor Speedway you know, a while back yep. or how Ryan Newman and Harvick battled three years ago. I want to uh, do as our fifth subject here on Five to Go today. Dan, as I want to talk about the drivers that won titles in our developmental series, you had Friday night, Christopher Bell, who was the odds-on favorite coming in, but people seem to favor Johnny Sauter being the veteran to go back-to-back at championships, but Bell was the one that was able to get ahead of him. Pretty much only the first run did Bell struggle. After that, he was in the driver's seat, and he finished second to series first-time winner Chase Briscoe. Briscoe, by the way, winning the pole and the race in Brad Keselowski Racing's final race as a team, BKR shutting down. And then you had William Byron, who finished ahead of Elliott Sadler, and winning the Xfinity title. I just wanted to see, Dan, you know, these drivers are obviously on the rise. Bell going to the Xfinity Series and Byron moving to Cup. What do you think about their efforts both this weekend, Friday and Saturday, and just they as their their future careers coming up? You and I both know, Doug, these are talented drivers, and um, they've been very, I'll say fortunate. Fortunate might, might not be the word, but they've been very blessed to be in the equipment that they're in, and given the opportunity talent-wise to be there also because you and I both know how hard it is. Even if you are talented, uh, 
to get into the right ride. And there's no telling what these kids or sponsors spent to get there, but they are very talented kids nonetheless. And uh, they've got a very bright future ahead of them. Yeah, they certainly do. And Bell, and the thing is, the thing that Bell and Byron have done, and I think even more in comparison to the other, we're just getting used to Elliot, Blaney, Suarez, Eric Jones right now. There's they're sort of the first wave, you know, and right, right, right in front of them were the Dillon brothers that were coming up, but Byron and Bell won, and they won immediately. Byron should have been your truck champion last year if not for an engine failure at Phoenix. Okay, he had like five, six wins. <laughs> Bell several wins. And 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 goes cruises to the title also, and and then Byron goes to the Xfinity Series this year and wins four races, including including the are, are almost winning that Homestead finale there. So, it's, Doug, do you know what the hardest decision would be among these talented young kids? Do you know what that? the hardest decision would be when they're looking for a car to be in? What's that? Is is whose car do you be in? Yeah. Who do you want to go to that, that you feel like would give you, if you're a young and talented driver coming in and, and you had the opportunity to have a sponsor coming with you or somebody to pay the bills, where would you go for your first ride or where would you go for a ride? The, there is no, no more first ride in Cup. You're either a contender or a pretender, right? There's no, uh, in, in Cup, there's no mid-tier ride. There's no starting with the Stavola brothers, right? <laughs> you know, it's not, you know, like Jeff Burton did, right? Or the Dillard, the Dillard racing team, the Ward Burton did. There's no starting there. There is. No, but if, if you had your opportunity to go to the, the five players of the Cup series, and sign a deal with any of the five, Doug. Who would you go to tomorrow? I mean, Gibbs, Penske, Hendrick. Gibbs first, and then interchange Penske, Hendrick. I mean, that's simple. I think Stuart Haas is right there behind him, and I think they'll they'll join the A plus ranks later on. But th- those are the teams of the resources. I mean, that's they're definitely as that. the, the teams of the resources. And but they only have the four seats the, each. The Amazon racing, they got it together right now. So Hendrick, by promoting Byron, has kind of promoted their young driver core. There's not the next Chevrolet Junior Motorsports affiliated driver that's right behind them. I mean, Justin Allgaier's already been to Cup and come out. He's, I think, 31 years old. Michael Annette, he's with Junior Motorsports, but that, that's he's all He's 31 day. years old. That doesn't say much for me. But that's the thing. I mean, that's he's seen more as a veteran now. As far as the young Chevrolet drivers, they're not a ton. Toyota, on the other hand, you've got Bell in the pipeline coming on up, right? You've got and then you've got on the uh, the Ford side, Cole Custer. But look you at know? all the young drivers that are coming up that um, I don't even know why they do a rookie of the year anymore because when you start out driving something at three or four years old, you're definitely not a rookie anymore. <laughs> might, be a, might be a rookie in the car, but that's all. It's it's not a race car that you're a rookie to. That's for doggone well, sure. Well, what was nice this year, and Eric Jones is the 2017 uh, NASCAR uh, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series Rookie of the Year is you had at least two rookies that you knew were going to be kind of equal because they were both in that Supreme Toyota equipment and Jones bested mm-hmm. Suarez. None of them, neither of them, got a win, but they both showed flashes of of goodness. And and Ty Dillon was also rookie. Next season you have William Byron and Daryl Wallace Jr. Bubba Wallace. He'll be in the forty three. <laughs> so that although Byron I think is going to have the equipment advantage, you have two drivers that are that are going for it and then probably you're looking at if you look to 2019 it's going to be Christopher Bell and who knows who else a driver that always gets left out of this young guns conversation because he just hasn't promoted very quickly is John 
Hunter Nemechek. I just think he's impressive, yep. but he hasn't had the sponsor to come with him. And then another one, a guy that I think could have won that Xfinity Championship and played spoiler on Saturday, Daniel Hemrick. Dan, you and I have watched uh, Daniel and John Hunter both race at Gresham Motorsports Park. Yeah, and I'm Hemrick, proud of Daniel and what he's been able to do. Because and lesser Daniel's equipment. Daniel's one of the drivers that I was just getting ready to tell you. He's one of the drivers that I don't know what it is about some of the drivers that just day in, day out, just seem to never get a break. Yeah. And it, it isn't the fact that they don't get a break. It's the fact that they are better drivers than anyone give them credit for. And, and they have to prove themselves every week. And they are doing that to try to make a name for themselves. And Daniel Hemrick is one of them. It just seems like he has run his heart out and can't catch a break. The, the main break that he's caught is a couple of years ago, a California business tycoon got paired up with him, and that's how he really got solidified in the truck series and has been able to go from GM, I think it was GMS Racing at the time, yeah, GMS Racing to Brad Keselowski Racing to the Xfinity Series with Richard Childress Racing. But yeah, and, and Hemrick, he had a battery issue and finished, I think it was 11 laps down or something Saturday. Didn't have a shot at it, but he was the highest running of the championship four at the end of stage one on Saturday. That's big. Yep. To, to, That's to big. It's huge. To outrun those three junior motorsports cars who were easily the favorites, that that was huge, and I think it was huge for William Byron to show that gusto and outrun the veteran Elliot Sadler, who now has four runner-up finishes in the Xfinity Series points. That's got to be this is this is the difference in a driver that has where fate has put him in the right position. Yes, and 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 fate plays a substantial role in destiny and where you are at any given time because. You take our deal in the very beginning and and what God and fate did for us without all the stepping stones being in place, had one been missing or one been off the path to a different direction, we would not be where we are today. And there's so many that needed that one thing to go their way. There's so that many talented one thing drivers. To go their way. And see – you, you have to say it when you're marketing the sport, the 40 best stock car drivers in the world. But the truth is, is that there's probably 400 that if given that opportunity to get behind the wheel, I'm saying that as a small number could, you know, could, could do just the same thing. And even once you're in the cup series, as I, I remember Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Saying in an interview earlier this year, he's like, come on, you know, we all know how to drive. Like the differences between us as drivers is very small. The biggest difference is in the cars. And so it's hard to say, well, this, I mean, and we say it all the time, this guy, yeah, Trevor Bain's garbage. You know, he has run. Well, he's also running for a team that's struggling too. So it's hard to judge him. And that's why I'll be so interested to see how Eric Almarola, who I still feel is a young driver, he's actually older than me, right? He's like 32 years old. How Eric Almarola fares driving in good equipment, Stuart Haas next year. Boyer had a very mixed results kind of season in the, in the 14. How will Almarola's results uh, elevate coming up? That's going to be something to look forward to and think about in the offseason. Uh, Dan, we're also going to see what happens with Monster Energy, and if they return to keep Kurt Busch in that number 41 ride, that seems to be very sponsorship uh, contingent on what Kurt Busch does for 2018. And then I think, Dan, there's going to be a ton of of movement amongst the mid-tier teams in NASCAR's lower divisions. There are hardly any truck teams, I feel like, with solidified plans outside of GMS Racing 
and Brad Keselowski racing. The rest of it is a crapshoot out there. I think I think Kyle Busch Motorsports will be fine with their development program as well because um, they keep churning out young drivers. Um, so that's going to be something that as we reconvene here, Dan, in the offseason, I think it would be some silly season to talk about, and then we could go long form and spin some weaves on some other uh, stories in the race. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what Daytona has in store because I've always been fascinated every time I think that NASCAR has done everything they can possibly do to make the next year better. They come up with something different because I can remember when Danica came in and sat on the pole at Daytona and, and every time I think that they came up, that they can't come up with something new (laughs) they have. So I can't wait to see what Daytona has to offer as far as what is going to be our surprise coming up for Daytona that we have not foreseen. In consecutive years at Daytona, you had Danica Patrick winning the pole in 2013. Yep. Austin Dillon, first race in the three car, winning the pole in 2014. Uh, 2015, there was something special about that one, and I'm trying to remember what it was. Top of my head. Oh, Jeff Gordon winning the pole in his last Daytona 500. 2016, yeah, yeah. And, and Chase Elliott is his replacement. Yeah. I know the next one. Chase, exactly, Chase Elliott. Hey, and you, Dan, just as an aside here, as a as topic, since we were talking about young drivers 5A or 5B here, um, you had to be pretty impressed with what your nephew did this year. I mean, 12 top Absolutely. fives, fifth of the Absolutely. points. Absolutely, but I think it was a conspiracy. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I think the 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 top the second place finishes was a conspiracy because they're not going to win anything in the twenty four car. They're going to wait and win it in the nine. <laughs> yeah, it's it seems like that, that I was really hoping he would get a win. Daytona, maybe, maybe that's what's coming for Daytona. Yeah, first so Elliott's won the last first two the Daytona five hundred polls. Wins the Daytona five hundred. He's Chase Elliott's won the last two Daytona five hundred polls. And then naturally, and he almost won the Talladega Pole, by the way, in October. And then naturally, a junior won that one, by the way. And then, and then naturally, yeah, he comes back in the nine. That'd be really crazy if he pulled that off. Uh, Dan, any parting shots here? As we and we're in the first day of the off season, man. We got we got the whole off season ahead of us. Um, no, I just want to wish everybody happy holidays, happy Thanksgiving, yeah. Merry Christmas, and um, hope everybody's safe and and all the families are safe and healthy. This is our 10th episode of Five to Go. It's hard. We yeah. managed to keep this going 10 weeks in a row. We did it for the 10 weeks post-race each race of the playoffs. We're going to continue this into the offseason here, and because we'll really have time to stir up and, and dive in on some stuff here with myself, Dan Elliott, and the AWOL Eric Von Hessler, who's recording his holiday special tonight, not able to join us. Uh, by the way, Eric, Dan, I don't know if you saw this. He was on Fox News this weekend as in his uh, radio political talk show host role uh, as uh, talking about the Republican tax plan and all of that, but they gave him a call, and he was so uh, shell-shot that they even cared what he had to say, and so he went on there at like 12.40 Saturday afternoon and talked about it. So we got a TV well, and a radio well, we know star. he's talented, and uh, just like you, y'all do an awesome job, and thank you for that because I rely on both of you each day. And um, I still look up every day and look for Captain Herb up there and smile oh, yeah. at him. And um, just just know he's okay. And, um, you know, Doug, going into this end of this season and what we're talking about, about looking forward to the next one. And one thing for sure, we still don't know what all rule changes. We know some of them, but we still don't know if that's all or if there'll be more of rule changes that NASCAR has to offer before the season begins. I think if we were going to look for something, it's going to be in teams and passing inspection. That seems to be a big thing that stuck with fans all through the years 
is are you going to be allowed to blow off the rear quarter panels doing a burnout? Are you, how many times are they going to tolerate you going through the inspection line? Are they going to loosen the rules, and are they finally ever going to take wins away? I think that's what's next. I don't know that you can well, do any more to the point system right now. My gosh, it seems like this year they got the results they wanted out of stage points. So I think it's going to I be I think they inspection. ought to just go ahead and run the season, and when they get 10 to go, just clean the slate and let everybody start over. <laughs> just let them start yeah, over. There you go. Just let everybody so that was nice, guys. <laughs> Yeah. Start them and all over. A lot of people's objection to including yours to what the format is now. Hey, you mentioned Captain Herb, Dan. Want to want to plant the seed again? We're now less than three weeks away from our annual Toys for Tots Fest in honor of Captain Herb at Fred's Barbecue House here in Lithia Springs, Georgia. For those listening around the nation, you can actually go online wsbradio.com on our traffic page, and there's a button in our traffic page events to be able to donate. But we take money and toys up for Toys for Tots and celebrate racing there. There's a 50-50 chance a day. David Reagan is going to be able to show up. Dan, the invite's extended to you if you're able to come. That's uh, We'll have a live broadcast on WSB from 1 to 4, December the 9th. Our, the event itself goes from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Lots of great racing prizes were given away and just a time to go have fun and help kids in honor of Captain Herb. And we, we and just like you, Dan, I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving and very much thankful for y'all helping us get this off the ground. And we hope we could chug along and do it some more, man. Yep, we uh, we just appreciate all the people listening in and and being patient with us as as we go through the learning process here and try to um, try to muddle through some of the um, the sport that we love. Yeah, well, we definitely love that. We for sure do. So, thank you everybody for uh, joining us here again. Eric von Hessel will be back with us next week as we jump in and do five to go, go deep on five racing subjects. Thank you to everybody in the uh, NASCAR season you know, that grounded out there and gave us entertainment for uh, over nine months this year. And a special big cheers to Martin Truex Jr., William Byron. Uh, Martin Truex Jr., William Byron, and Christopher Bell. Also, a big-time cheers to Dale Earnhardt Jr., Matt Kenseth, Danica Patrick, Brendan Gaughan, and anybody else that's going to decide that they've retired after this year. So for Dan Elliott and for the absent Eric Von Hessler, I'm Doug Turnbull, and we'll talk to you all next week. Thank you. You know, Doug, I think that NASCAR has truly missed a huge opportunity not not putting grandstands around 285 and selling <laughs> seats. <laughs> yeah, they could put in a lot of people there, okay, is it for sure. Although most of the time it's boring, man. Most of the time they're barely moving. So, uh, But but certainly that that could be uh, an option they need to consider there. That, that's how you bring a second race to Atlanta. Yeah, but isn't there a club, isn't there a motorcycle club that um, you circle 285 in 30 minutes and you're in an elite club and get a jacket and everything. Isn't I, there a club that does that? You know what? That, that would mean that they're going about 120 miles an hour. And I hear those crotch rockets going by because I live right next to 285. They, they'll pass by late at night and I'm going, these people have a death wish, man. <laughs> so seems like a death wish anytime you get on the perimeter. But Dan, thanks for joining today. We're uh, going to sail off into the sunset here and, and begin our first real week of the off season next week here on 5 to Go. So thank you, everybody, for joining. And, Dan, appreciate you. Thank you.